3: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Hey, this is Larry Mente in for Jesse Kelly tonight. So proud to be here. I want to tell you about something that happened in New York. First of all, you know about the storm, and we'll be checking in on that. Because the gentleman we're going to talk to in a moment... Uh, is is a hero to many people in New York, especially conservatives in New York, because he tried to stand up. He attempted to stand up to a wave of corruption. That's what I call it. I mean, I don't know if it fits the definition of corruption, the technical definition of corruption, but where do you hear it? And you tell me, if it's not corrupt, it's at least icky. And this, and by the way, pay attention to this. Because once something like this happens in one state, you can't just say, oh, that's just New York. No, no, no. This will get the attention of state legislators all across the country. And so you think it's just New York? You wait. They're going to go, whoa, I didn't think of that. The New York Senate has had the reputation of being a do-nothing Senate over the past year. Lots of problems in the state, and they haven't fixed it. Well, they finally did something. They gave themselves a big fat pay raise. A 29% pay raise, going from $110,000 a year to $142,000 a year, a $32,000 pay raise. That makes them the highest paid state senators in the country. They even had a special session to do this. A special session. Now, that's usually for emergencies. You would think they might want to debate the failed criminal justice system that forces criminals right back on the street and creates high crime, high violent crime in New York City. They keep letting people back until they eventually hurt or kill somebody. Nope, didn't even talk about it. How about fixing the unemployment insurance fund that was corrupt and that squandered $11 million in taxpayers' money? No, none of that. The emergency was the pay raise. That's what they needed, a $32,000 Christmas present. And as I said, one of the guys who tried to stand the line, who told them this is wrong, especially now, this is just wrong, is George Borrello, who is from northwest New York. And and I want to talk to him about the pay raise, but I also wanted to ask him, because he's right there in the thick of the horror in Northwest New York, where they've gotten 100 inches of snow over the last couple of months, and now they just got another 63, and and people died in horrendous ways. What, Senator, first of all, thanks a lot. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, you were a hero in this whole fight, but... Can you tell us what's going on in your section of the state and your section of the country right now?
5: Well, you know, Buffalo, and I live in the Buffalo area, just south of Buffalo, and uh, you know, we can, we're used to snow, but we had a combination of hurricane forced winds and a Lake Erie siege, which is a you know tremendous and sudden rise in the lake levels that led to literally a perfect storm. And uh, as hardy as we are you know, and prepared as Western New York is, this unfortunately has led to you know, 34 deaths and counting, and and uh, may, by many estimates, that uh, may approach as many as 100. Unfortunately, when uh, everything is uh, when all of the, uh, the the bodies are counted, so it's really a tragedy. It, it, it occurred, you know, over uh, the Christmas uh, weekend. Um, you know, obviously, you know, short staff skeleton crews, uh, and but people were heroic. Our first responders were heroic. Average citizens helped. One another out, as we always do here in Western New York. But in the end, it was just a, a tragedy. And when the dust settles, we'll have to look and see what was missed, what could have been done better. But I can tell you that everyone uh, did their best to try and help uh, in a, what was a an unprecedented situation.
4: Yeah, don't you don't be hard on yourself. There's nothing you could have done. This was the a storm, as we just heard from the weather center. This was a, a storm of a generation, a historic storm, and a killer storm. And you unfortunately got the brunt of it. But God bless those first responders doing heroes' work. And speaking of of heroes' work, not quite the way the first responders were doing it, but uh, Senator Borello, you are a lot of people's heroes in trying to stand up to this is an historic pay raise. We can call it a killer pay raise too because it's it's hurting the the state when it comes to inflation and it's paying it's spending some more taxpayers money and it's done in that dead zone where politicians like to do things like this when they think nobody's paying attention. Explain what happened and what your position is.
5: Well, first of all, keep in mind we just had an election here in New York and Republicans Made gains, but not nearly enough gains. And um, there was plenty of opportunity for the Democrats. You know, we have one-party rule in New York. The Democrats control the Assembly, which is like the House, the Senate, uh, and the Governor's Mansion. They have a supermajority in both houses of the legislature, so they do as they please. They could have very easily discussed this pay raise before the election, so the people of New York could have decided: uh, is, is this how should how should we judge people that wanted to give themselves a pay raise? Instead. They called us back uh, in a special session last Thursday, you know, when they were already predicting the storm uh, of a generation to be hitting Western New York, they called us back to vote on a pay raise for themselves. As you mentioned, $142,000. The next highest legislature is California at $121,000. So by far, you know, my, my far left progressive colleagues love to try to keep up with California, but in this case, they surpassed them. And all this was done again without people really watching and knowing what was going on. Uh, and it is a, you know, the New York State Legislature is a part-time position. We have spent about 60 days in Albany in session. Now this it is a very, it is a very taxing job. It is there's a lot to do if you do it well. But a lot of my colleagues pretty much phone it in. Uh, there's not all, there, it's not equally uh, distributed. The work that is done. And to, to give this huge pay raise takes away the idea of a part-time citizen legislature, a legislature that is supposed to be uh, in touch with the people, you know, average citizens, people that own businesses, people that are, you know, doctors and people in pharmacists and, and that spend their time being a part of the community instead of just being this insulated professional politician, this, you know, the ruling, uh, ruling class and this large pay raise now. Uh, it, it makes them truly that insulated ruling class, which is just. Yeah, let's senator. let me
4: let me pick up there what you're saying, because you, there's another important part about what happened. And because there's been some scandals in the past because of people's private businesses, they put a cap on how much starting in 2025, how much a state senator can make or a, a state legislator can make outside in their own businesses of thirty five. Thousand dollars. Tell me the damage that's done by that.
5: Well, you know, so many of us, myself included, I'm a a small business owner. My wife and I are in the restaurant business. We employ over 200 people. Um, Very few of my colleagues now can say that that they are actually, you know, part of the 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 economy. And what this will do now is it will force uh, people like myself and others to have to make a decision: Am I going to continue to serve the people, which is what I chose to do, knowing what the pay was, not needing a raise? Uh, But now I'm going to have to make that decision, as will many others, uh, as to whether or not they will stay. And instead, uh, those positions may very well be filled instead with business owners and professionals uh, and people, again, with skin in the game, uh, with uh, trust fund babies and, uh, you know, uh, uh, political activists who've never made so much in their life uh, at $142,000. That's the tragedy of this. It is going to take away that citizen legislator who is a part of uh, the economy, that it's important that we have people whose, you know, own success is also the success of New York State or the failure of New York State, and that yeah, is really you know, what we, we are losing.
4: Yeah, Senator, we talked about this before, and I, I said that's what the founding fathers wanted. They wanted people to do jobs, be successful in jobs, and then move in to the legislature and and help the government. That's what they wanted these these citizen politicians. But you just made me think of something else. Maybe there is something behind this because many of these uh, Democrats that you're talking about that are in Albany and and that run state legislators, they're not really working other than this. It seems to be the Republicans that own businesses, so maybe they're just trying to thin the herd a little bit and get you to quit. You know?
5: There's no question that's a part of it, but also keep in mind there's something even more sinister. People don't realize that New York state just passed a, a taxpayer funded campaign fund. The taxpayers of New York state are now going to start funding these political campaigns and as they, as they do in New York City. And in New York City, it has been a mess full of corruption. And now we're going to bring that type of corruption and public financing of political campaigns statewide. So you're going well, to Senator, George,
4: Senator George, Senator George Borello, I'm running out of time here. We will talk again, though. I promise you that. It was great to talk to you. Please keep trying to hold the line. I really Thank appreciate you. your time. Thank State you so Senator much. George Borello in New York. When we come back, I'll tell you how much I hate the Royals, so I'm not enjoying Harry and Meghan too much.
1: Oh.
4: Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. I have not, talking about something that's not so great, I have not watched a second of the celebration of manufactured victimhood that is the docudrama called Harry and Meghan that is much more drama than docu, where the renegade royals whine and cry that, oh, they had family fights, just like everybody else in the world. Only most of us don't get the opportunity to blab about those imaginary slights to the world for a hundred million dollars from Netflix. This is what I get from the clips and news reports I see. Again, I refuse to watch it. And I was hoping that no one else would watch it to teach Netflix and the crybaby couple a lesson. But I knew I'd be wrong. I knew it was going to be successful. Because Americans are, for some reason, obsessed with intrigue about the royal family. It was successful, historically successful. Breaking the record for streaming documentaries with over, uh, it's much more than this now, but it had over 81 million total viewing hours in just the first four days that the series was available. They're already talking about a second season of Harry and Meghan. More whining, but I'm not, I'm biased in this whole thing. I'll be honest with you. I can't stand the Royal family, not the individuals. Many of them seem like decent people, including Queen Elizabeth, who recently passed away. I hate the whole idea of a Royal family and a Royal bloodline that sits in manufactured and expensive importance over nothing. They have no power. And yet we're obsessed by them. And we, I mean Americans, we keep the royal family in Buckingham Palace with our obsession. And as much as the royal family recoils at the Meghan and Harry documentary, I have to know, you have to know, that this schlock keeps them in business as it stokes America's obsession with all things royal.
3: I wonder what would have happened to us had we not got out when we did.
4: Our security was being pulled. Everyone in the world knew where we were.
3: I said we need to get out of here.
0: We are on the freedom flight. To see this institutional gaslighting. But I wasn't being thrown to the wolves. I
4: was being fed to the wolves. Oh please.
0: Oh please. Poor
4: you. I had to flee. It was the freedom flight. There's people escaping war right now, trekking across deserts for a chance to come to America, but that they were being put upon living now in your $15 million mansion in Santa Monica with a hundred million dollar Netflix deal. Uh, Oh yeah. Way to go, Megan. After bagging your princess or your prince, I should say more like a princess these days. There's nothing about her that ever makes you believe she is telling the truth. As royal watcher, Pierce Morgan points out.
5: Just another load of unsubstantiated smears designed to portray them as victims. But it doesn't really pass the muster of fact checking. One minute that the a beloved young couple who inspired a nation, the next that nation is horribly racist out to throw Megan to the walls from the very beginning. The attacks on the press were so wicked that she was hated and feared for her life.
4: Yeah, she, she said that. She feared for her life, you know, because Buckingham Palace has so little security. Again, the only thing I saw of this six-part soap opera posing as a documentary was from news clips or a clips on YouTube. How about the whole thing about the curtsy? Did you see that? They played that over and over again where she said she had to do this curtsy and she didn't know what to do to the queen and she made fun of it and she left and her poor husband sat there looking at her like this never happened. And then we find out that in rehearsals for Suits, she did a curtsy so she knew exactly how to do it. She is an amazing liar. These two royally tone-deaf malcontents vomited their rich people complaints into the living rooms of a country that was still struggling from the effects of a pandemic at a time when people were losing their jobs and businesses and struggling to get by. So excuse me if I don't get over over the emotional damage inflicted by a dispute Meghan Markle had with Princess Kate Middleton over the dresses worn by the flower girls at Harry and Meghan's royal wedding it made me cry and it really hurt my feelings oh and- we all have problems with family members now and then especially in-laws you know what we do you know what most of us do we keep it to ourselves now these two are calling for a summit with the royal family to clear the clear the air because they have to go back for the coronation of charles Yeah, I don't think a summit or an apology is coming anytime soon. These two are pretty much despised in England. I don't care about them at all, and I'm so stunned that Americans do. Again, I don't have a problem specifically with Meghan or Harry individually. I loathe the entire royal family, but these two are particularly sickening. We fought a Bloody Revolutionary War to rid ourselves of this family of inbreds. And when I say inbreds, yes, they are. They just started dating out of the family not too long ago. You know what this obsession's about? It's Disney. Every little American girl has a princess obsession. For decades, little girls grew up with all that Disney propaganda of wanting to grow up to be a princess. Maybe now, right now, the worldwide movement of female empowerment, American women will snap out of this princess spell and cut the umbilical cord with Great bitten. We can give Harry and Meghan what they truly deserve our complete ambivalence. Larry Menti filling in.
1: You can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: For Jesse Kelly tonight, we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Wow, this is great music on this show, isn't it? You almost feel like not talking, just listening to the music. It lulls you into a, into a sense of, hey, I want to hear a good song. Larry Menti in tonight for Jesse Kelly. Proud to be here. Glad Jesse gets some time off during the holidays. It is on now, by the way. After almost three years since the New York Post broke the Hunter Biden laptop story. Make that two years. There will be an investigation. And we'll finally know the truth. The truth that was purposely hidden from america when the new york post broke the story three years ago about the hunter biden laptop it was quickly labeled by both current and former members of the intelligence community as russian disinformation they went as far as to call media outlets and social media executives when they heard that the story was going to come out, to warn them not to run the story, not to even mention it, and they didn't. Had the story not been covered up by the FBI and the media, polls show clearly that Donald Trump would have won re-election. Trump was left to try and tell Americans about the laptop himself, and he was shot down over and over again. I think it's one of the biggest scandals I've ever seen. And you don't cover it.
1: Biggest you want to
4: talk about.
1: Well, because it can't
0: be verified. You want I, to talk I'm about
4: insignificant you. things. I'm telling you. Of course that. it can be verified. Excuse we, me. We they found verify. the laptop. Leslie, Leslie. It can't be verified. What can't be verified?
2: The laptop.
4: Why do you say that?
2: Because Even the family hasn't.
4: The
0: family on the laptop, he's gone into hiding. For five days, he's gone into hiding. He's preparing
4: for your debate. Oh, it's taken him five days to prepare? I doubt it. That was Trump in 2020 on 60 Minutes. None of that was aired, by the way. That was an outtake that was shot by the Trump campaign. Smart people. What a condescending Leslie Stahl, smiling and shaking her head, as if the president of the United States was just being silly. And now, of course, we know he was right. That means for two presidential campaigns in a row, the media willingly believed an FBI-fueled disinformation campaign against Donald Trump, a candidate for president, and then president of the United States. These are two scandals of immense proportion And now, after the New York Times and the Washington Post independently confirmed the authenticity of the Hunter Biden laptop, they did this almost a year ago, 60 Minutes finally admits the laptop is the real deal. (laughs) Wow. Uh, So does Leslie Stahl apologize now? CBS did a story on this saying, yeah, we've had some experts come in and it's real. They heard that story 767 days after the New York Post broke the story. They had two experts look at the computer. They were were they busy for 767 days? You you couldn't look at it right when the story broke? You couldn't send your investigative reporters out? You're 60 minutes to try to get that laptop? I'm sure they would have given it to you. CBS News could have looked at it back then, they weren't interested. How can an alleged esteemed news organization be that intellectually numb, purposely biased, not even curious about what is about to become one of the biggest stories in American history? The laptop is filled with evidence of influence peddling. An influence peddling operation that Hunter Biden ran and made tens of millions of dollars for himself, his friends, and his father. Known on the email infamously now as the big guy. Even though Biden lied to us when he was running for president and said he never even talked with his son about his business dealings. Mr. Vice
3: President, how
2: many times have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings? I've
0: never spoken to my son about his overseas business And so um, how do you that's, know? That's not, do you here's know? what I know. I know Trump deserves to be investigated. He is violating every basic norm of a president. You should be asking him the question, why is he on the phone with a foreign leader, trying to intimidate a foreign leader, if that's what happened. That appears what happened. You should be looking at Trump Trump's doing this because he knows I'll beat him like a drum. And he's using the abuse of power and every element of the the presidency to try to do something to smear me. Everybody looked at this and everybody's looked at it and said there's nothing there.
4: Ask the right question. Really, nobody looked at it except the New York Post and the U.S. attorney in the Justice Department. They had the laptop. But now, finally, the Republicans controlling the House of Representatives are going to investigate the Biden family influence peddling scheme. Finally, it'll be investigated at a public hearing. It's going to happen in a few weeks. And make no mistake about it, and this is important, the House investigations into the influence peddling is not a Hunter Biden investigation. Do not fall for that. That's what the Democrats, with the media in tow, want you to believe, that the Republicans are going after his son. This investigation is a President Joe Biden investigation.
2: We're not trying to prove Hunter Biden is a bad actor. He is. If anybody wants to disagree with that, then there's nothing we have to talk about. Our investigation is about Joe Biden. And we already have evidence that would point that Joe Biden was involved with Hunter Biden. on his So we want the bank records. And uh, that's, our, that's our focus. We're trying to stay focused on was Joe Biden directly involved with Hunter Biden's business deals? And is he compromised? That's our investigation.
4: That's Kentucky Congressman James Comer, who is the chair of the House Oversight Committee. He will be the chair. A committee whose sole purpose is to oversee the executive branch he can't constitutionally conduct an investigation of hunter biden this is a joe biden investigation and it's important we should know if he lied to us if he criminally used his name and position to profit from foreign companies while he was in power as vice president and we should know if he is compromised because of the money he received those foreign companies were not paying tens of millions of dollars for nothing they wanted favorable treatment by the United States and they wanted information. The key to the investigation is going to be 150 suspicious activity reports the congressional investigators have not been able to get their hands on from the Treasury Department. Suspicious banking activity. Those SARS reports are red flags of large deposits of money into bank accounts from foreign governments. Again, Hunter Biden is named on 150 suspicious activity reports. The SARS reports, by the way, this whole thing about SARS reports started after 9-11 because the terrorists received funding that the Treasury Department saw but didn't share with the CIA or the FBI. So now they're all being flagged. So now they're shared with everyone, including Congress, or at least that used to be the case. President Biden stopped it. So since 9-11, all the SARS reports have been shared. President Biden stopped it. If this is the first time you're hearing this, you have to ask yourself why. That's a pretty big story. Sure smells like a cover-up to me. He must be hiding something. Why would you do that? we've learned anything at all from politics, it's not the crime, it's the cover-up. I'm Larry Menti, in for Jesse Kelly tonight. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Larry Menti, proud to be in for the great Jesse Kelly tonight. Hey, have you noticed that the January 6th committee just kind of crumbled into the dustpin of history and nobody's talking about it? It came and went. Supposed to be such a big deal. Primetime television for hours. No commercials. And nobody's talking about it anymore. It was supposed to be historic. It was supposed to be game-changing. And nothing. Because they promised a whole lot. And they didn't deliver too much. The January 6th committee has referred former president Donald Trump to the justice department for criminal investigation and potential prosecution. Wow. Who saw that coming? I'm kidding. Of course, everybody saw it coming. It had the most predictable ending since the Titanic. Oh, you're kidding. The ship sinks. The committee was set up for this conclusion. They knew they could have not wasted our time. They could have spared us the agony of suffering through the Inquisition that wasn't. It was all scripted. It was produced by James Goldston, the former president of ABC News. The participants had their hair and makeup done. There was a giant teleprompter that they butchered. They even got the primetime slot, as I said, on all the networks. That is, until the ratings came back and the networks were losing too much money on this partisan circus. That's not to condone, by the way, don't get me wrong, that's not to condone anything about January 6. It was a travesty. An assault on the democratic process. But the Justice Department already investigated. Let them do their jobs. They arrested 964 people. 964. But this committee wasn't interested in them. This committee was set up purely to arrest Donald Trump and make certain he doesn't run for president again. Eh, too late. He is a candidate for president. And the front-runner to get the Republican nomination And the Biden administration Justice Department will now be considering a second investigation into a political opponent. I would have taken this all much more seriously if this committee was set up like most congressional committees. Minority leader Kevin McCarthy submitted five names like he was asked to. There'd be seven Democrats and five Republicans. And the, the Republicans, the, the minority party always gets to choose its members. And he did. Representatives Jim Banks of Indiana, Rodney Davis of Illinois, Jim Jordan of Ohio, Kelly Armstrong of North Dakota, and Troy Nels of Texas. Pelosi turned down Banks and Jordan. That's never happened in the history of the United States Congress. The minority party gets to pick its members. So Kevin McCarthy said, we're out. And Pelosi was fine with that. The Speaker went looking for five Republicans who would volunteer to join the committee, and they could find two. Liz Cheney of Wyoming and Adam Kinzinger of Illinois Both voted to impeach Trump. Neither will be in Congress next year. And they also are now in the dustbin of history. There was talk about Liz Cheney was going to run for president. Oh, please. Cost a lot of money to get no votes. Kinziger was smart enough not to run for re-election and embarrass himself. Cheney did run for re-election and did embarrass herself. She was trounced in the Republican primary. Cheney is now the Republican that only Democrats like. The committee was so one-sided. It was a prosecution with no defense. It was deeply un-American and undemocratic. They said they were protecting democracy while they were trampling all over it. The committee referred four crimes, obstructing an official proceeding, conspiracy to defraud the government, making material false statements, and inciting an insurrection. Constitutional law professor and attorney, Jonathan Turley, was not impressed.
5: This committee again promised that there would be new evidence being displayed today. Uh, There was a couple videos that we had not seen before. But there was no direct new evidence of a criminal act uh, by the former president. That's not to
4: say that his conduct wasn't reckless or reprehensible, but that's not a criminal act.
5: And it was basically a rehashing of what we have seen in virtually every one of these hearings. And they simply attached these referrals to it.
4: Yeah, it was over and over again the exact same thing. The Justice Department, by the way, is not required to follow through on any of the charges. And since they have charged no one, not one of the 996 participants with an insurrection, it would be impossible to charge President Trump with inciting an insurrection. When you don't have any evidence that an insurrection took place in the first place— How can you charge somebody with inciting it? But you see, insurrection, that charge is important to the Democrats because the 14th Amendment to the Constitution specifically says if you were found guilty of taking part or aiding and embedding an insurrection or causing an insurrection, you can't hold federal office again. Any other felony charge, by the way, does not bar you from serving in federal office. But insurrection specifically is spelled out in the 14th Amendment. So they charged him with that, even though the Supreme Court is pretty clear in past cases. You you can't make somebody do something with words. It's the act, not the words. People are responsible for their own actions, regardless of what a speaker says, what a musician says, what a TV anchor says, what a talk show host says, what a movie says. All of that speech is protected. And in this case, Trump told the crowd to march peacefully and patriotically to the Capitol. And the committee purposely left that part of the speech out proving this is a partisan prosecution, out to get Trump to kill, and it it just kills the credibility of the hearing. Look, I don't think this even hurt Trump in trying to become president. Every poll out, you know, DeSantis is leading in a couple, but Trump's leading in most. I think most Republicans and many Americans think the whole thing was a sham. But if it's Trump or someone else, the Democrats have stopped to to stoop to a new political low. They have changed the rules of engagement. And remember, what goes around comes around. Larry Manti in for Jesse Kelly. We'll be back after this.
0: It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view